Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. So we're on week number five of a series that we've called I Choose. And we said that when life hands you choices, choose wisely and choose better because our decisions matter. We said that we make decisions and our decisions make us. It's been one of our thoughts that has pushed us and driven us forward in this series. We make decisions and our decisions make us. That means that we tend to become the decisions that we make. With every decision, we build momentum toward the direction of the decision that we have just chosen. And so with each decision, we pick up momentum meaning that our decisions form and mold who we are. That means who we become tomorrow will be a result of the decisions, the choices that we make today. Now, today's message, uh, we don't have a lot of time to review, so you can catch up on the series through our podcast or through our website, revealvineyard.com. Today's message is going to be on I Choose Patience. Now, before we start, i got a confession to make. Let's just call this first part Confessions of a Pastor. I have no patience, okay? There's my confession to you. Uh, I struggle with it. Uh, I hope you can forgive me, reveal, for I have sinned. Hopefully today I'm not just talking to myself. Let's just get it out of the way. Anyone else admit that, hey, I struggle with patience a little bit? Anybody? Yeah, very good. Welcome. You're in a safe place. Welcome. Has anyone ever thought that, that I would have a lot more patience if people would just stop being stupid? Anybody ever think that? Yeah, welcome. You're in a, you're in a safe place. I struggle with it, and the older I get, honestly, uh, the more that I struggle. Uh, I can lose my salvation in a long line and a slow cashier at Walmart. It just, it pushes me over the top. Or the person that decides to wait for the total before they start looking for their debit card in their suitcase size of a purse, remember that person? Like they're surprised that they actually have to pay for this. Or the person at McDonald's that makes me angry because they can't figure out what they want to order. It's been the same menu for 30 years. It frustrates me. It just does. I, I was behind someone, true story, who asked how many nuggets are in a 10-piece. I'm serious. I'm thinking, should a person like this be allowed in public? That's what, I was like, and so I, I, get, I get frustrated. I know, you know, patience is a virtue. Sometimes I wonder if that was written by someone who just wanted an excuse to be lazy because I, I struggle with it. And so we're going to learn together today as we look into a scripture to see what scripture has to tell us. And we're going to start in Proverbs 16. That says this, better, now remember when life hands you choices, choose wisely, choose what is better. Solomon says, better to be patient than powerful. Now, we're going to have to define what we mean by patience. We're going to get a real world definition. Here's what it means. Patience is our level of endurance before turning ugly. Have you ever lost patience and turned really ugly like you became something you weren't really proud of, right? It's patience is our level of endurance before we turn again. We're going to expand that a little bit. Patience is how much of a situation or a person we can endure before becoming unpleasant, disagreeable, angry, pessimistic, or hopeless. Now today I want to explore specifically the role of patience during our trials and during hardship. And the purpose of patience in prayer. Because for me, nowhere is my patience challenged more than in my faith journey and specifically 
in my prayers. I mean, wouldn't it be great if God had a 24-hour answer to prayer policy? That you prayed, God, help me at my job, and the next day you walk in and your boss is gone. You don't know what happened to him, but you don't really care, right? That's a 24-hour answer to prayer policy. But I found that prayer, along with my faith journey, faith journey, is often an exercise in waiting and in patience and in perseverance. So how do you respond when life shows no progress? Or when it appears that prayers are going unanswered? Or how do you respond when life seems to turn against you? Patience, our level of endurance before becoming unpleasant, disagreeable, pessimistic, or hopeless. Let's pray. Lord, it's a heavy message today. One that I need and needed, and one that I uh, need to embrace. One that I think most of us do. And so we would ask that you would come and you would begin to impart to us that which we need as we submit ourselves to you. We place you on the center of our lives. We ask you to be present and teach us through your word. Lord, as we continue in an attitude of worship, even through our giving, we give joyfully as a way of submitting and placing you first, even in our finances. We invite you. Stir us. Encourage us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at what the author says in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, seeing we are also surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which easily entangles or ensnares us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him, it's Jesus, that he endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Look at number verse 1 again. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience. The level of endurance before becoming pessimistic, angry, or hopeless. The author draws on a rich imagery of a foot race of ancient Israel or Greece and the amphitheaters of Rome, and the author places us on the track in the race and reminds us that if, if you're going to finish your race, you're going to have to learn to run with patience. Maybe you race against the haters and the imitators and the spectators and the naysayers who come against you and say, you can't do it. Or maybe your race is against the inner voices in you that scream, who do you think you are? And you'll never be able to make it. You can never do it. You'll, you'll always be this way. And you're too old, too many mistakes, too stupid, whatever. Maybe your race is against a sickness or against a body that has betrayed you. And the author knows something. It says, if you're going to make it, you're going to have to learn to run with patience. And then the author tells us where we need to look. Look at verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And then again in verse 3, it says, for consider... Right? Where are your eyes going to land? Consider him, Jesus, that endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. 
I've never fainted physically, but I've fainted in my mind many times. I've fainted in my soul many times. I, I, I stood before an obstacle. I looked at the size of my mountain. I stared my enemy in the eyes, and I fainted because the challenge was too great. And the author knows something, is that if we're going to make it, we're going to have to run with patience, and we're going to need to fix our eyes on something greater than our obstacles. Or this fight is going to wear you out. This race is going to wear you out. Therefore, verse 1 again, therefore, Seeing we are surrounded with such great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, all right, therefore. Therefore is a bridge between two thoughts. It's adding substance to the thought that's about to come. It means, anytime you see therefore, it means that you came in on mid-conversation and there was something before that adds substance to what you're about to hear. And so if we look at verse 12, the author starts with therefore, remember, uh, the Bible wasn't broken into chapters, they were just letters, and we broke them into chapters for, for, ease and, uh, for ease of use. But he also says, therefore, meaning now we have to go back to verse chapter 11 to see what there is there for. And this is our Hall of Faith chapter, where he starts by saying, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence, the conviction of things not yet seen. And then he begins to, to tell us those who have gone before us in this hall of faith. And he says things like, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen. And by faith Abraham obeyed. And by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. By faith Abraham when tested offered Isaac. And by faith Isaac invoked a future blessing on Jacob and Esau. And by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months. By faith Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith they left Egypt. By faith people crossed over the Red Sea on dry land. By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. And David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and even women received their sons back from the dead. The author says, I'm building a case for you here. And he says, therefore... Because of all who have gone before us, let us run our race with patience, right? Notice the author's telling us we are not in this alone, meaning that we are surrounded by those who have gone before us, men and women who have struggled and fought and cried and prayed and grappled and faced down giants and crossed rivers and stood before kings and and stared down lions and who refused to bend and women who stepped into the moment for such a time as this. And Hebrews 11 gathers all of them people, all of those people together and reminds us that faith is carried on the backs of common men and women like us, that it's not carried on the backs of angelic beings or a heavenly choir or those around the throne worshiping, that faith is carried on the backbone 
of men and women who wake up with bedhead and bad breath, who go to bed at night a little sore and exhausted and wake up the next morning and wonder how they're going to make it through the day. And it is those people, we could insert our names, common, ordinary people who carry the faith forward. Therefore, the author says, since we, in other words, he's saying, look, they already ran their race. Now it's your turn to run your race with patience. It's our turn now. And the author places us on the track and he's filled the stands with all these great patriarchs and matriarchs, winners of faith. And the implied question that the author is asking is this. How can you quit now? Seeing that you're surrounded, that inside the theater, you're surrounded by men and women who have gone before you with far less. And yet they finish their race. And they finished their course. But if you're going to make it, you're going to need to learn some patience. Hey, listen. Sometimes you win because of who's watching you. My son and I, we replaced a blower motor in his uh, car about three weeks ago, 110 degrees, folded under a dashboard, uh, trying to get what should have been a 30-minute job, and one little electrical connection made it about a a two-and-a-half-hour job. If my son wasn't there, I would have burned the car and bought him a new one. But two and a half hours later, the job was complete because sometimes you do what normally you wouldn't do because of who's watching. Have you ever been in the gym, guys, back in your single days when you're, you're pumping it out and you're exhausted and you're like, there's muscle fatigue and you're just about done. And then some pretty girl walks by and you're like, 100, 101, 102. You get strength that you didn't know you had because of who's watching. And the author says, look, do you not get it? That you are surrounded by those great in faith who ran with patience and ran with endurance and did not quit. And he places the challenge before us. He says, in light of this, in light of this, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Patience, how much of a situation we can endure before becoming pessimistic and hopeless. Now, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. That was our faith journey. Now I want to talk about patience in prayer. Luke 18, Jesus uses a relentless, tenacious, patient woman to teach us something about the role that patience plays in prayer. Luke 18, 1 through 5. It said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversaries. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Listen to this in the New Living. I like how it flows a little bit. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but because this woman is driving me crazy, 
I'm going to see she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. I want us to talk about the role of patience and waiting in prayer. Because I don't know anyone who likes to wait. Now back in the day, uh, if you wanted something and you didn't have money for it, you put something on what was called layaway. And, and, and if th- that means that uh, you would go down to your local Sears store and, and you would pick out whatever it is that you wanted, you'd tell them what you wanted, but then you'd walk out of the store, this is strange, empty-handed. All you had was a little ticket, and, and, and that ticket meant that, that you, you put something on, on layaway, right? Because credit as we know it was not fully accepted back then, you didn't want to know any, owe anyone anything. And so if you wanted something, dishes, a washing machine, television, a coat, and you, you, you didn't buy it and then figure out how to pay for it, you, you put it on layaway and you picked it out and then you left the store empty-handed and layaway, listen, layaway was the consumer's way of notifying the store that you have what I need and I'm going to keep coming back until I get it. And so every week on payday, you'd come back with your ticket and you'd give five, ten, twenty dollars, whatever you could, you could give them. And with some patience and with some endurance and with some hard work in eight, twelve, twenty weeks, what you needed, you eventually got. And so now Jesus gives us this parable as a way of reminding us that some things are worth waiting for. It's interesting that in this story, Jesus uses not only a woman, but a woman who is also a widow, and he uses her to teach us something about prayer and our spiritual faith. In the first century, the culture was patriarchal to a fault. A society was led by men, preferred men, and positioned men to keep their favored position in society. Now at this time, culture suggested that a husbandless woman was a voiceless woman. And so if you didn't have a husband, you simply did not have a voice. And Jesus places a voiceless, powerless, most likely uneducated woman against a powerful, educated, professional man. And you could almost hear the chuckle of those in the crowd as he told the story, at least from the men. And she breaks from social norm and she takes her case before the judge asking, avenge me of my adversary. And the judge does what any man of that time would do when a woman without a husband who is voiceless approaches him and complains, he ignores her completely. Now, there are some people who can't handle rejection. And they will go through great extremes to avoid rejection. But there's something about this woman and she was unfazed by what was taking place. And so she dusts herself off and she comes back for more. Perhaps it was nothing new. Perhaps she was used to fighting already in a society to, for her voice to be heard, to get what she needs, to refuse to be marginalized and ignored and forgotten. And so again and again and again, she comes before an evil, an evil judge each time facing a stern no, go away, stop wasting my time. I'm too busy. But there was something in this woman that she needed. Something in her life that needed correction, intervention by someone with greater authority. So she was relentless in her approach. And then Jesus tells us a little bit about the judge. He says, he said in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. So if he didn't fear God, if he didn't respect man, you know how he felt about women. But the judge never met a woman like this before. 
Listen, there's a reason Jesus used a woman in this story. She would not be silent. She would not be gagged. She wouldn't be shut up. She wouldn't be cast aside or ran over. Would not abide by the unjust rules that kept her living in constant defeat. Listen, women of reveal. No one should relegate you to a certain group or a certain position based upon gender, gender, based upon color of skin, not because of faith, not because of your age, not because of IQ. No one should tell you who you can and can't be or what you can and can't do. And so there's a reason Jesus is using a widowed woman coming against a professional man. He's trying to show a juxtaposition here. And the judge didn't know it, but he's never met a woman like this before. A widow of that city came repeatedly saying, give me justice. And the judge ignored her and finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out. There are some things that do not come to us instantly, but instead require patience and persistence. And this is how a layaway system works. Every time you show up, you're telling the store, I'm still here. And I haven't forgotten about it. And I still want it. And I'm going to keep coming back. And Jesus goes on to say, if an unrighteous judge can be moved by the patience and the tenacity of this woman, how much more will your righteous heavenly father be moved by your prayers? How much more will a righteous heavenly father be moved by your prayers? Remember why Jesus is telling the parable. Verse 1, he told them a parable of the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Patience in prayer. Jesus is saying that continual prayer, patient prayer, relentless prayer will move the heart of God. Remember, God sent uh, um, uh, Isaiah to Hezekiah in the Old Testament to to tell Hezekiah that your time was up, get your stuff in order, your days are numbered, and and God's taking you out. And Hezekiah turned to the wall and wept bitterly and began to pray and began to seek God and began to pray, and Isaiah's leaving, and God stops Isaiah, who God originally told him, go tell him this, stopped Isaiah and said, Go back and tell him, I'm adding 15 years to his life. When Moses came off the mountain uh, after 40 days with God, he finds the people of Israel worshiping an image that they created themselves. And God's anger burned against them. And God told Moses, I'm wiping these people out and we're going to start over. And for 40 days, Moses patiently lays on his face before God, asking God to have mercy. And God spares Israel and Aaron. And this is what patient, persistent prayer means. It means that we keep showing up, reminding God that I'm still here, I'm still interested, I still need it, I'm not going anywhere, and I'm paying my installments. I'm paying them at home and at my lunchtime and in the car and when I go to sleep and when I wake up, I'm in the shower. God, I'm coming to you patiently because I need someone to intervene on my behalf. The power of patience in prayer. Look at the power of passion. I think sometimes God asks us, how much do you want it? And I think sometimes we quit praying because there's no passion behind what we're praying for. 
We want it, but we want it if it's easy. Patience. Our level of endurance before we turn ugly or we turn impatient or uh, we turn um, hopeless or become angry or jaded. Now, hear what I'm not saying. If you're sleeping, wake up. I'm not saying that the reason your prayer has yet to be answered is because you don't want it bad enough. Not saying that. This is not a, if you only had enough faith, God would have teaching. It's not the type of church we are. It's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, what I am saying, is that there is a majority of us who are not patiently and consistently coming before the throne of God in prayer because we are passionless about our requests and then wonder why they never get answered. Because we come before God once a week, and nothing happens, and we think, oh, well. And Jesus tells the parable that you would not quit, and you would be relentless and patient in your approach and in your prayer. Jesus said, look, if you desire it, then ask me. But if you don't desire it, then don't even ask. The power of passion. Power of the widow was in her passion. If her adversary thought that because she didn't have a husband that she would be rolled over, he was wrong. If her adversary thought that because she was a widow, she was easy picking, he was wrong. If the judge thought because she was, she was a woman without a husband and she was voiceless and she would just obey the societal rules that were placed upon her, he was wrong. She knew what she wanted, she knew what she needed, and she was relentless. There's a power of passion, and there's a power of persistence. Without faith, it is impossible. Go to that next slide, please. It is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, right? Not just seek him once, but continually, continually, again and again and again, patience and persistence. The story is told of Nahum uh, Nahum in uh, 2 Kings where he goes to uh, the prophet Elijah to be healed of leprosy. And Elijah says, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And Nahum is furious. He's like, he didn't even come to the door. Matter of fact, the word came through a servant. Elijah didn't even get up to meet him. And he's complaining about it until finally he went. But if he would have stopped at three dips, he wouldn't have gotten his healing. Or five, he wouldn't have gotten it. There had to be persistence. God tells Joshua to march around the city walls once a day for six days and on the seventh day march seven times and if he would have stopped at four times, maybe the walls never came down. Persistence, persistence in prayer. Let me have the band come up. While they're coming up, I have some questions for you. What have you stopped praying for? Where have you lost your passion for prayer. What is it in life that you face, that, 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 that you pray about it every now and then, but, but God's been convicting you as he convicted me this week. What is it that you need to passionately and patiently and, 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 and to, to continue to come and to place your petition before God? What does that look like for you? Maybe some of us stepped off the track because life became overwhelming. And the question to you is, is it time to get back into the race? 
and to not quit and to run your race with patience and to present your request with patience time and time and time again. The parable was given so that we do not lose heart, so that we do not become impatient and say, well, nothing must be working and so therefore prayer is useless. We're going to allow a little bit of time. Let's bring the lights down, Chris, please. Uh, Mike, we're going to allow a little bit of time for maybe for you to rekindle whatever it is that you're praying for. Maybe it's a family member who needs Christ, and your prayers, if you're honest, it's once every two weeks. And you're passionless about it. And maybe the stirring of God is, again, that you would begin to pray relentlessly. Maybe it's for something taking place in your life. Maybe it's for healing. What does it look like for you? If you have been rekindled in this thing of prayer, I'm going to give you an option to come up and as you're praying to light a candle on stage, off to the sides. There's nothing magical in the candle. But from time to time, we like to put something tactile. We like to put a response in your hands. And it's a way that signifies that, all right, God, I've been a little convicted here, and, 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 and I'm not letting my fire go out, and I will continue to approach the throne and continue to pray and continue to believe and continue to wrestle and continue to run. So at any time, I encourage you as part of your response. Maybe you need to start with repentance, and then you just need to begin to pray again for that thing that you have lost patience for, to see what God and God alone can do. Holy Spirit, you're invited. Rest on us, convict and teach and counsel us, and rekindle in us the hope of prayer, the passion of prayer, and the persistence of prayer. In Jesus' name.
therefore, seeing how we are surrounded with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand at the throne of God. For consider him that endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest you become weary and faint in your minds. Lord, our prayer, at least I hope our prayer, our commitment to you is we, we will not quit. We will run this race with patience and endurance. We will not quit in our prayers, but we'll approach the throne with patience and reverence and even tenacity for what it is that you have placed within us. Asking for you to do what only you can do. Be encouraged today, church. For your story is not over. And your race is not yet finished. And Jesus our Savior's wonderful name. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer today, we'll have some people up front that would love to pray for you. And we're going to wrap up this uh, series next week. It's a great uh, message next week for you to invite friends to look forward to seeing you this week. Be patient and diligent in your prayers and run your race this week. God bless you guys.